Shout out bro. Shout out deep. There we go. <laughs> Where we are, episode 13. Shit, 13. We should have done this on a Friday, 13. It's actually unlucky. I'm scared about this episode. This could be the end. Why? Whoa, it's episode 13. You know? Something could go terribly wrong. <sighs> Stop thinking that way, then. Because when you think that, you, it happens. I'm not thinking of that way. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to jinx it. This is going to be the best episode yet. You know what I mean? We're still going to go a thousand episodes in. It'll be a thousand and thirteen. You'll be like, oh shit, unlucky. So well, we're good. How how you doing, Martin? How's life treating you? Uh, I'm back at work now, so we've got a routine again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so boring, to be honest. I, I wanted it to be this sort of stage of the year. So, like halfway through the year, I wanted to be moved out and into new leases of my life, I guess. Into the big apple that is less. Yeah. It'll come. But this has not been. I mean, yeah, yeah, it will come. I'm just saying, like, this is just stopped it a little bit. So it's, it's sort of like makes it seem like, is it a good idea? Maybe it wasn't a good idea at the time that I wanted to do it compared mm. to. Yeah, maybe it'll make more sense. As yeah, maybe. Things maybe happen are. at the time they're meant to happen, Martin, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah. All I can tell you is that it's really hot. That's how I feel right now. I don't feel hot at all. I don't know what is wrong with you. I like... <laughs> Normally, Mark, I, me and you are driving around in the car with the heaters on full and I'm with it. I know, I know. But like, but do you... Not right now. Did you take a cold shower? Or? No, I'll probably do that after this, to be fair. To this be time. honest, I'm like... I, can ne- I don't really... I, I've never taken a cold shower properly. I've jumped in. Have you ever jumped in before? Known as a plunge pool. No, I've I literally on the way home. My mate was talking about it, where he's been in a sauna for like an hour, and then after as, as soon as he gets out, he jumps in a plunge pool. And I'm like, what is that? I've never done it straight out of sauna, but I've been. At, do you know what center parks is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been at center park. parks, and you can like hop out of the pool and jump in the plunge pool if you. What is a plunge pool? Just a pool full of ice cold water. It's as simple as it sounds. Jesus. It's really good oh, for you. take the wheel. That cold would child. never happen. Cold showers are really good for you. I don't take cold showers either. I'm like, even if it's 30 degrees, I still take warm showers all the Probably time. People that take cold showers for health benefits would tell me that I'm doing it wrong. But I do like to like be in the shower and have it hot and then slowly and then get colder and transition. colder. Yeah, that's a lot easier to do. I don't people that just dive into cold water like that. It takes bollocks. It can knock you out. Yeah. It can knock you out. The shock of it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely knock me out. Oh, hundred percent. The you shock of like like ice. Like if you cut out a sheet of ice and jump into the water, like it's going to be very difficult to keep breath controlled and whatnot. Oh, that would be. My worst nightmare. That's why they say it's good for you, because if you can withstand that, then you can like kind of be calm in many a situation. 
Might try then. See what happens. If 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 it comes around, Martin, just give it a go. I mean, I feel like that's something we could easily do. Um, what film you going in a plunge? If you want me to start setting you challenges, Martin, and we film them, I'll happily do that. Oh yeah, do it. Uh, I'm, I'll happily do the challenge. You heard it here first, folks. The spin-off yeah, joke. That's right. It's not that deep. <laughs> it's not that deep, bro. I and mean, then we just switch to a pool. <laughs> That's not like, that deep. It is that deep, bro. It is. <laughs> it's that deep. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's an idea. Amazing. That's an idea. Let's, Let's uh, carry on with the current podcast that we run. Right. This week... I've made you watch a slightly left of field. Well, it's not left of field, and that's why it's left of field for this podcast, um, in the sense that it's not the normal kind of film that we may watch. It, it's not a film that would fall under the weird or kind of... Mind. No, it's not. As we cover, but there is a reason I've made you watch this film. But what, what, what did I make you watch, mine? You made me watch Boogie Nights. Mm. Boogie Nights. 1995, wasn't it? Ah, you've not done your research. 1997, directed by Paul. No, I have done my research because that's where I saw it on Google. Said 95 to me. I'm looking at the information right now. That, that's fine, but I literally looked at Google and it said the, the bit made, that comes up. It was probably shot in 1995, to be fair. So it's probably what came up. Because I'm like... was released in '97. Tomato Film Festival on September 11th, 97, and then was released in October of the following year, of, the, of that same year. And for those of you who don't know, it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who is known for such films as The Master, The Phantom Thread, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, well, I've not even mentioned, There Will Be Blood is the big one that he directed that everyone knows. Inherent Vice, mm. too. Got a lot of films. Um, he does. I like Paul Thomas Anderson. I think he's a very good, detailed filmmaker. It's very like in-depth filmmaking. Lots of the small details are thought about. You think so? I mean, there were some scenes that I'm like, well, there was a, some bits that I saw like, well, what happened? What happened then? What What happened afterwards? Nothing like really gets explained after that scene that happens. Up to you, you. And your understanding yeah. of the 1970s. But I like a film that like makes you kind of uh, go follow. Yeah, when a film does that, I think it's like giving you an opportunity to use your imagination, you know? Uh, not, I didn't mean it in so then, like, okay, using your imagination to the scenes that I'm sort of like thinking about... What happens in the scene explains what happens. I mean, like, it's not explained what, where that leads, like, leads off to. Like, it's. Oh, that will be interesting to see which scenes that you have qualms with, because I, I have recently just finished the film and I'm sticking with my initial impression of it. That mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, so the, the, let, let's just it, run through people that don't have a clue what this film is we're not going to go through like the whole plot because it's a very like plot important film and yeah. it's, it's really three hours long as well so it's, it's mm-hmm. quite the journey but it follows um, 
I can't even remember Mark Wahlberg's character's name before, Eddie Adams, played by Mark Wahlberg, who was a pot washer at a disco in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And he is known for being particularly well endowed in the trouser department downstairs. It's just like (laughs) his girl tells him this and it gives him a cocksure attitude. He comes from a fairly, like, stable family, the classic Mm -hmm. dad that kind of grew up in the 50s and they have that kind of all-American family attitude dad reads the newspaper and the mum does the cooking and it's all happy families but Dirk well shouldn't even call him that at this point Eddie has bigger ideas and he gets um, he gets poached by the man who owns this well a friend of the person who owns the roller disco to do pornography amateur pornography because of his reputation that he has garnered and um it basically chronicles Eddie's rise through the golden age of porn in the 1970s. And he, he chooses a name for himself that he kind of has always had in his head. Dirk Diggler. Diggler. Dirk Diggler. Dirk Diggler. And um, the film shows you the rise, fall, and subsequent rebirth of Dirk Diggler and kind of what was going on in the 1970s. I mean, it's not really... It's a pretty good portrait of what was going on in the 1970s outside of the porn industry. Like it's that's why I kind of like this film a lot because on paper it's a it's not like a very accessible topic, but the result of it is a film that is like a window into the 1970s. It's very like you feel like you're there with all those people. You could get the vibe of how the 70s felt and how how people's attitudes were and what was going on politically and and whatnot. Um, but it's a real like journey of the film. You go from this tiny little house, small hometown beginnings, and by the end of the film, it's like a classic hero's arc and tale sort of thing. It could be like a Greek myth by the time you get to the end of it, sort of thing. It's, it's that like. It, it wasn't. Well, as yeah, I first watched yeah, it. Yeah, so what did you make of it, Martin? From, um, I mean, I, the first time viewer, no background in. Uh, just so like seemed compared to the other films that we watched seemed way more what? I give you to another one wait I'm sorry never judge any of the films I give you never compare them with one no but I, I wasn't comparing them in a sense of like they they were like they all need to be a certain type of weirdness but like because of the podcast we've been doing every film before then has has had a sort of impact in how I see different situations in life this one just seemed too normal for me to be like well yeah that that's that's something I go through every day no it's, it's not compared to like when we watched, although it wasn't like my favorite film, when we watched the Razorhead, you sort of explained to me how the how the character is sort of dealing through emotional um, the process of being a young man and all the that's right, yeah. having a child and yeah, yeah. So like you, it's a, you can sort of see that in everyday life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand what you mean, and I guess what I'd what I get 
in that sense from this film is the way that business is conducted and the way yeah. that people are. Because business mm-hmm. business makes you like an exaggerated version of yourself. Like you have to lie. But then you also have to like put a mask on and be someone you're not. So it's very mm-hmm. complicated. I find it quite fascinating watching because in the end, people's true intentions always come to the surface. Either mm-hmm. if it's not what how they say things, it shows in their how they act. Yeah, yeah, how they act. And this film, there's a lot of moments where people are talking to one another and they're chatting shit. This film's a big like cocaine film. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of cocaine. Massive, stuff. yeah. And really, I think it's the film that scared me from ever doing cocaine. I, like I watched this film and I was like, there's not one moment in that where cocaine looks good. <laughs> oh, not at all. Like uh, just people dying left, right, and center. You like from there's the scene at the beginning where there's a girl that's like having an overdose from it. That scared the crap out of me when I first saw it, and she's like seizuring on the floor because he's gone. Mm-hmm. And that colonel guy's in the room, and the, the guy's like, "Oh, this is the tw- uh, second time this week a girl's OD'd on me." And the guy's like, "You think you better get some better stuff?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as they see like twitching they're just like oh yeah just take her out grab her i'm like this is the way they deal with it on, like, yeah this normal. is how they deal with shit in the 70s but like what the fuck he ends up being like a pedophile at the end of the film because he, he, he does like lean towards it at, when you first see him yeah, you know when loads of CD overtones yeah, like, you know when you every time in the film a new character was being introduced, it was over like they were over introduced. Like the camera yeah, went straight yeah, to their yeah, face. All very stylized, and it's like yeah, Diggler. That's it's it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that. So when when you first see that, and you first see the colonel, and he brings out that girl, it's like oh yeah, she's young but old enough, and you're like, what the? Yeah, this guy. You know, a hundred percent. This guy. Was gonna be a Peter. You would like you could see it in his movements, in his fucking and he's the way he talked. He's like the most important guy. He's the one like I know all All the money. It's great. It's a good sound. No, my ringtone. No, uh, my doorbell. Sorry. Oh, I'm gonna say, let's play. Oh, yes, three, four, one now. Thank you. Thank you. What do you say? <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I... Audience entertained. <laughs> I see. Sorry, I got a package and. Exciting what... times in the diversion. I know. That's. <laughs> That was my doorbell, not a fucking Nokia. What are you talking about? That was a crazy doorbell. To be I know. It's got a camera. It's, oh, it's so fucking high-tech shit. 2020, man. 2020, bro. Um, but yeah, the, that's how this film affects me on my day-to-day life. It's like a good... Because then you've got Jack compared with the Colonel, who, mm-hmm. yeah, he's like running porn, and porn's like what it is. And we all know what porn is, and like... That's right, yeah. But... His heart's like in it. Jack cares about the quality of the part. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're going to do something, you should do it properly. And that's yeah. why it feels so good at the end of the film when he finally goes back to Jack after all that. Like, there's that awful scene where he 
He's like, I don't need any of you, Dirks. Like, up oh, the station, it, basically. Yeah, this is where like it got it got to me because he was like, sort of at the start, you see him so sort of like, yeah, yeah, is that okay? Is it okay he's for so her? So humble, and he's, he's like, so no humble. Yeah, then, as soon, and then as soon as he's He's got two Grammys or whatever they give for porn. They're like, oh, yeah, the he's award. like, all the awards, and he's like, yeah, even, you, you like, need even, me. Even the like, um, the film, they, the series they come up with after he first gets successful, where they're like, it needs to be this James Bond character, and he's not like mm-hmm. the other guys in porn. And so, that's why I love the film. It could be about anything. It doesn't really matter that it's porn. It's the fact that they're really into it and they're pushing what mm-hmm. that thing was at the time and they're trying to like make it into something better. And, and that- Jack's so, so like, I fucking love it. I love it. Sounds great. Because obviously yeah. Jack's at, at the start, he's like, I want... The way that he was like presenting porn to, to, to Eddie, Mark Wahlberg, was sort of like, shit, this guy is onto something. He just, he wants to do porn, but like on a level where... It's like art. Like it's yeah, like, pro- yeah, it's a massive project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he... You're at the end. When he was so say when he was so saying like, oh, uh, I want them to, after they, they ejaculate, they, they still stay for the story not just the i feel like that that sort of that is a really that's how if you're like in an industry that's how you should be thinking about your product mm-hmm. and delivering it to people you should think about the whole experience that they're going through mentally and what how they're actually spending their time with your product mm-hmm. it's real uh, clever thinking it's it so like made me think <laughs> as i watched it mm. i saw and they came up with that new way of um doing porn where there's guys like a Jane Boy James Bond character and stuff like that. Yeah, series is it's it's so used nowadays. It's like it's super used everywhere. Like Well it's the idea, isn't it? The whole franchise. You need a character and once you have that character you can they build a world. They marvel porn. Mm -hmm. They take the Marvel D C comic book idea of a character that has a series and a saga Mm-hmm. And they put it into porn. Yeah, <laughs> and I know it's like a touchy subject talking about porn when it comes to like everyone's like, ah, oh, porn I this, porn that. I'm like, porn is pretty like well established within everyone knows about porn, and there's even you know I watch. I go not right now, but I go to my parents' <laughs> house and. Um, Watch Paul with them. Yeah, <laughs> just sit around, watch it. It's become that normal. No, I watch <laughs> programs with them that are on like the BBC and stuff like that. And you hear terms being thrown around that you know that the rise of internet porn has contributed to that word being in the script. It'll be like some Friday night dinner comedy show and a term like, I don't want to turn this into a full X-rated podcast, but a term like bukkake or something like that will be thrown around and you're like, ah, like these words are like making their way like up to yeah. my parents' okay. level existence <laughs> <laughs> but is it good though like what what what's the word that well, is like for anything, uh, in, in the sense that if i sat in this room and i ate lettuce and i did nothing but ate lettuce all day it would become a problem over time so just have a level <laughs> with anything you do don't do yeah. it 
loads and look, take a look at yourself and if it looks silly it probably is silly you know you probably shouldn't be doing that thing that you're doing all the time loads what so saying saying words loads you shouldn't now, say the same now, words now loads. look at now look at yourself you're being silly what we have to say certain words a lot so you can nothing yeah. we can do about that until we develop a better vernacular for conversating with one another but let's talk about the things we can change, like people that want to watch porn all day. Because <laughs> 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 that is a changeable thing, <laughs> definitely. Of course, yeah, of course. But, yeah, like, there's people it, that want to do all sorts of weird things all day. To an, uh, to an addict of porn, I guess, because that's what we're talking about. Hearing them words could be triggers. Do you know what I mean? Like, even, I, I, I get that we have to say words. And there's certain words that we have to, like, like, as we're talking right now, we we have to say these words to make sense, right? But, like, taking a, a word or terminology from porn and putting it into a normal day-to-day living, do you think that's a good idea? It's a, oh, is it like... Within context. If we're talking, like me and you are having a conversation about porn, none of us are watching porn, we're not forcing Mm -hmm. anybody to watch porn, we're merely acknowledging that porn exists. No one should listen to these words, we're not telling anyone to do anything. If people go and do things because we said it, that's out of my control. Yeah, of course. my control. So, if someone... You know, if we're talking about rehabilitating people that want to watch porn all day, I suggest <laughs> you get a pin <laughs> and every single time you want to watch pornography, you stab yourself with the pin. Do that for two weeks. Eventually, your brain will start associating porn with the feeling of you stabbing yourself in the thumb with the pin. And I promise you, you won't watch porn anymore. Fair enough. Um, that's... People won't do that because they... <laughs> That's all the reasons why people won't do that. Well, yeah, of course. Um, Like, that's... Your brain is associating porn with pain, right? So then obviously it'll stop itself. But do you think it... There's Obviously, there's other... There's other things out there in the world that... um, Other than watching porn that you can be... uh, You can be addicted to. But doesn't that sound like an idea? For anyone that's addicted to anything to lock them in a room with a pin with the thing that they're addicted to mm-hmm. and you just have to and look then, dead in the eye and say do you want to stop doing this thing and if they say no then you've got to release them back into the world but if they say yes then they come into the room and they sign a bit of paper that says they're not going to leave the room until a certain amount of time is up and they have to swear on their life that every time they want the thing they're going to stab themselves and they'll get fed and watered and bed and nice place to sleep and all of that. I think that that could go horribly wrong. What, you think they're going to... Horribly. You think they're going to kill themselves? Yeah. Well, that seems a bit silly, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it could go horribly wrong. You gave someone... I know, I know. Like, if if it ever did come about... That would be like you giving them a weapon and told them you're not allowed to do the thing you like doing the most. Every time you do it, you have to stab yourself. 
Well, this is why they've got to agree beforehand that they actually want to stop <laughs> I know, I know. But then it's so like, if they're not safe enough, it, it would have to almost be a person has to be with them every step of the way. Well, that would be just constant be... monitoring and that would be like the nature of the facility. Mm-hmm. Like it would be set up to do, I don't know, in this weird hypothetical reality that I've constructed where I'm locking people up with pills <laughs> and stuff like that. It's, just, it's not a sustainable world, I understand. But it's not. But anyway, we're going a bit off topic, but still. The, but it's pertained because this film is one of excess and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And the last half of the film is like as sad as the first bit is kind of happy. You see these people that are like really invested in the industry and like they're trying to push it forward and stuff like that. And then the 1980s come rolling around and I guess the big killer is that all these films that are being made are all going to... Um, tape. Yeah, they're all being made on tape so they can be shown in like movie theatres or you buy them on VHS and stuff like that. But as the 1980s pop up, home video becomes a thing and that opens up new possibilities it opens up the world of amateur porn which is now mm-hmm. world and um so you sort of so, so like it sort of seems like Jack is like when something works you keep doing it and it's always well, worked for him definitely an old dude mm-hmm. that's like a like a classic trope that you see in a lot of these films where like I'm trying to think of an example where there's like an old guard and a group of people that establish a thing and they're like, this is the way you do it. And then the younger people come and they find a new way to do it that's like based on the old way, but it's taken the bad bits and like worked out new bits. And then all the old guys are like angry at the younger people. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of like, you know, when... I don't know if this ever happened to you, but like, you know when your parents tell you to do something... But like you do it in your own way and it makes more sense doing it that way and it's easier but they're like no 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 do it my way and it comes from the way a, I told you yeah and it comes from a different it comes from a lot of different things it comes from the fact that Jack knew that this new thing was coming in that he wasn't familiar with but instead of mm-hmm. familiarizing himself with the new thing he decided to sit on the thing that he knew yeah. and had established which is always like a, you got to move with the times but then not completely compromise who you are for that new thing uh, yeah you got to work out how you're going to use that new thing in your way but that sort of backfired on him not because his fault more, more because of the colonel being arrested and yeah, went to prison cool. and then there is a period of time where he's fairly like he's kind of just filming films with no passion he is no yeah he's like he's sort of missing his his like star do you know what i mean like his twinkle or whatever like his yeah the twinkle in his eye that's all gone oh god that Mm -hmm. montage is awful where it's like three narratives three or four narratives happening all at the same time you've got book and his wife who are trying to start their hi-fi store and they're going to banks trying to get loans and they're being books like another co-member that we've not mentioned book yet uh, played by oh who's he played by it's that guy that's in bloody Hotel Rwanda um, Don Cheadle yeah he's, um, in, uh, he's in Marvel as well <laughs> is he? yeah he's in Lewis. Yeah. but yeah. he um, Don Cheadle can't get a loan because they're porn actors and he's oh, again he's so passionate about his like 
plight and what he wants to do. And he's like, you can see the fear in Don Cheadle's eyes when he realizes that he's being like blackballed because he's a porn actor and he's like, probably because he's black as well. Yeah. Those times. It's, 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 it's all like mi- mixes together. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's all trying to tell you, oh yeah, it's because you're a porn actor, but it could also be because you're black. Do you know what I mean? Like, either, but you ain't getting that money either way. And Obviously then, he's saying, they're saying no, but they're always telling him, oh, it's a porn actor. I'm like, it's the 70s. I feel like it, that time racism wasn't like... I feel like it certainly would not have helped his situation. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so at the same time, you've got those scenes being played. You've got Jack, shots of like Jack's new films that he's filming and editing, and they're like all like the vibe of them and the way that his new Dirk Diggler character uh, is acting the rip off of Dirk Diggler that he's got in. It's just sad to watch. And then you've got these crazy clips of Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley trying to write an 80s rock album. <laughs> I love that montage. <laughs> and they're like trying to write these songs and they're awful. <laughs> you see I the awful- swear, um, he, he's so like trying to make it as a singer instead of a. Um, oh, he is. He's trying to show that he's more than just that thing that everyone knows. And yeah, he's just a. He's not just a penis. He's he's more than that. He's got like heart. This big identity crisis. Uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. But he had the heart all along. His heart was mm-hmm. in the porn <laughs> at the beginning. He was. He like that, that's like even though even though we're laughing at this, the film's so serious about everything. It's like being said. Like it's not. It's not even like. That you know how there's puns and there's like jokes that you could like throw in. There's nothing in there that that's, like that's massively they throw in. You say that um, you said to me. I think yesterday we spoke about it briefly. Um, the there were no moments that made you like laugh out loud. But I think it's one of those films that it, you don't laugh at it until it's done. You think about it. Yeah. You, so you think about like, what. Hang on, what did I just watch? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what's happening? Like, what's happening right now? I'm so interested in that. Like, yeah, it's been the, the thing that gets me the most is like, he's... Ah, okay, maybe maybe he's not sort of thinking that way because of what his parents, like, well, what his mum said. He's like, oh, you're dumb. You're, you're stupid and all this shit. And like, kicked him out or whatever. But if... That was... I'll just quickly point out, you just reminded me, at the beginning there's a shirt scene where, I've mentioned it, they're having breakfast, and his dad walks downstairs and kisses his mum on the cheek, and she's like... And this is a theme that's inherent in these like families that are set up where the father has to go out and work and the mum stays at home all day. This resentment builds between them, and it's this, not yeah. a real marriage. And she kiss, he kisses her, and she's like... Just obviously not in the mood to be kissed, and she's like, "I wish you'd shave when you do that." If you no, she's like, "If you're going to do that, shave." But he didn't have anything; like he barely had a stubble. Yeah, and then when she's kicking him out a little bit later, you see like him like in tears about it, and you see how like the woman has become the man of the situation, mm-hmm. and yeah. the man is the woman, and it, he comes from this backwards family, and it's very indicative. It's such a relatable tale. This guy becoming coming from this broken household, and he becomes this big star. And that's just how 
that narrative manifested in the 1970s. You know, the porn thing was just available to him, sort of thing. Yeah. It's, I, when that scene was so, like, happening, it, I was thinking, okay, he's going to become big, he's going to be massive, and then he's going to go back, and he's going to be like, fuck you, I'm, I've got, I'm the biggest star ever in porn. He never goes back, does he? He never goes back. It's never, expe- you never see, like, them two characters again. Like, I saw, like, one of that sort of, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, closure. Do you know what I mean? Well, From, there's, a, there's a kind of theme with that. We're not even mentioned Heather Graham's character, Roller Girl, who is like Jack's right hand girl. Jack is almost a pimp. Like, he's almost. Nearly, that, almost like, he's got all these women around him, and one of them's Roller Girl. And there's a bit in that montage we were just talking about where they're doing coke. I think it's is that Jack's wife, the one with the no hair. No, it's not. It's just a girl he has. Just a girl. Well, they act very close. Yeah, they she, yeah, yeah. That Heather Graham's character kind of breaks down because she's never had a mother. And she's like, call me mum. And they're doing cocaine together. And it's very intense. And fucking rock and roll music's playing. And she's like, call me mum. No, no, no. Say you're my mum. You're my mum. And she has this like breakdown because obviously no one's ever called her mum. So it's all like this group but she, of fresh uh, kids. Oh, it's... It's so weird. It, it it's like a, the thing is, she's she does have a kid. This is why probably she's breaking down because she's like she misses her kid and she wants to see her kid and she oh, was married. The older, the older, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going through that whole court thing with the kid. Yeah, and she's like she's trying. She's she's trying to make um, Dirk fucking her kid as well and just trying to like feel loved instead of just being seen as a whore for doing mm. and all what she does people are like looking for love as well like mm-hmm. Dirk he you know didn't get that love from his mum so he goes looking for that with women it, mm-hmm. all these people are acting off pain basically that has been caused to them earlier in life and it's no, the way it's now is like a response to that pain. But there's also like scenes where that guy who does the fucking the editing or the filming for right, well, uh, Jack. Like Bill. Yeah, Bill. That's <laughs> it, Bill. Bill. Bill's one of my favorite characters. Bill has a hard time, bless him. I just don't think he does. I don't feel sorry for him because he. Oh, you it, think that we should have it's happened. Yeah, he stood up. If he. What did you say? Well. Like, okay. Those of you that won't, don't want to watch this film, I'm just going to break this Bill character down for you. Bill is a cameraman and an editor that is just a bit of a pushover. And the first example of him being a pushover that we see is him hearing a commotion outside and he goes and checks what's going on. And his wife is having sex with That's him. not the first time. Is that not the first? Oh, no, no, no. It's no. <laughs> the first time. <laughs> yeah, the first the, time is in his house. He just walks in after coming back from work, just hears his And she's woman. like, very matter of fact, she's like, can you leave? I'm busy. Yeah. But he's, <laughs> so, su- he, he's such a, like, pushover. Like, he's, he's not... 
I, I don't know how he felt. Like, I don't know how he was as a kid. I don't know how he was as a person. You, you just see the f- what the first hour of the film being this Bill character. But he sort of like just lets it happen over and over and over again. Like, oh, if yeah. that was making you angry, say he's a, a pushover. Yeah, like if it was making it, if it was. Think about what happens. I know exactly what happens. I know exactly what happens, all right? I'm just saying he's let it happen beforehand. Just because he's a just what because he's a saying, Martin, is if Bill had emotionally handled each situation as that occurred, it wouldn't have ended up how it ended up. Yeah, I mean if if he would have handled it that the first time as it happened. As it happened, then it wouldn't have happened again. Do you know what I mean? Like if well, he would have been like that's it, up. we're done. Yeah, huh? they should have just split up. That's what. That's it. That's what I meant. Like we should be. Look, we're done. You, I found you with another man. He works in the porn industry, so there's no shortage of women. Well, right? Bill, I know um, as an individual. Mm-hmm. Number one, that was deeply important to Jack's initial operation, and a lot of that yeah. initial magic that was between Eddie Adams, Jack Horner. And that that group, Bill, mm-hmm. I feel was a big part of that. It, it was as soon as that to all the emotions of the member of the group. You see him going round and like being friendly with each member and stuff like that. And it was just kind of accepted by the group that Bill gets shat on, basically. Yeah. By his wife and but then I, I thought it was going to be like, okay, fine, killed the two. Jack can cover that up. The same with the fucking girl that died from cocaine overdose or whatever but then to then him end it all and you're like oh shit like he's been in this film obviously when you watch a film you're like you get deep into the characters that are in even if they push overs like Bill he was there for a good hour or so to him just ended there I'm like holy fuck and then not be explained oh there was a funeral this happened blah 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 whatever do you know what I mean you fill those gaps in like, I, obviously, Bill's body was not just left in that room. I can like fill those gaps. No, no I, I get, I get them that bit. But like, you would at least see for somebody it's who's meant to be that blunt. That is the yeah. point. Bill's death is a symbol of the film is now it's shifting fucking, from this comfortable thing that is established in the. It's a great narrative thing of being like the first hour of the film. Oh, here's normal. Here's normality. This is this is the gang, and this is what they normally get up to. And then there's like a thing that happens that flips all that on its head. And then the last bit of the film is getting back to that normality. normality. Yeah, it was funny how it transitioned from the seventies to the eighties, and that was the last scene that happened. Because obviously, eighties started with a bang, literally. Well, yeah. So we kind of get around to um, oh, is going that- from. Like, yeah, that's the it, last scene. It was like, the count. Well, I yeah, they're counting down. So, yeah, they're counting down. There, it goes to like two, one, shuts, shoots himself. So it one hundred. Oh yeah, it's New Year's party. Of course, yeah, I did know that. Yeah. So that is exactly what I just said. It was then. It is indicative. Bill's death is the beginning of the end. Yeah, but I, I saw like, I know that obviously it's just fucking shit. After that happened, shit just goes downhill from here. 
yeah. till they get back at the end to sort of normality. But it, it's sort of like, I just have them two scenes thinking, or the, um, the when they don't, don't so close the door with the parents and then this Bill character. So like, that's the only things that like threw me off about the film. I, after that, I was sort of like... With the parents, I just see it as like, how do you go back? He kind of mm. like gave all that up sort of thing. Like there's no need. There, there was nothing to reconcile. Maybe with his no. dad, maybe it's regrettable. To be fair, maybe there's deleted scenes and stuff that like cover all this up. It, yeah. The film was two and a half hours as it was. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. I was like, there, it was a lot. Of, it didn't seem, as I was watching it, it didn't seem like it was two and a half. Like it kept me in enough. That, I mean, it feels... Yeah very well paced the way it's edited it's very like a whole journey you're there every step yeah. of the way and you it's really good because you're like why am I this interested it's on paper it should not be interesting two and a half hour long film the golden age of pornography like it it's that's a tough sell to some people but I recommend anyone go watch it because it of how in, how much it gets me involved in it and how invested I become in it and it's an interesting watch that montage that we were just talking about where you kind of see it all going downhill climaxes well it's got a couple of climaxes I'd say it climaxes with Dirk eventually becoming like a prostitute um for yeah for like for twenty dollars like in that montage along with them trying to make a rock album which they actually get taken off and the master tapes are held by the company because they're not good (laughs) Um, there's also shots of them no because they have no money yeah oh no 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 there's a bit where (laughs) where they're the tapes and they say basically they're like have you heard this stuff have you heard how good it is (laughs) and at the moment when the guy from the record company looks at him and he's like oh I get it now understand this it's not going to happen and that the look a record executive that says you are shit and we do not <laughs> we don't need it yeah but they then turn it into a fight but in to cut with all those scenes is also scenes of them at their house we've not even spoke about Philip Seymour Hoffman yet the late and great who's in this film he plays like the shy almost nearly gay member of the <laughs> oh, yeah. who loves Marvel yeah. character yeah gets the same car as him, just really respects him. But his character is also a great barometer. He's like Dirk's biggest fan. I've seen him in other stuff before. And when I saw him, when I first saw it, him come into the, the film and I was like, shit, it's, it's weird seeing him in this sort of like character. That's yeah. Not, not I normally have seen him in, do you know what I mean? overconfident in his roles mm-hmm. most I've seen it like along came Polly I like I don't know if you've seen that I like no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but he's really good in that but he plays this like really over the top sort of character and it's he, he can do many different things he's dead now killed himself when let me get the details on this and I might even be wrong about what I just said it might have been a drug overdose um Damn. Mixed drug intoxication, 
2nd of February 2014. Six years ago, damn. Didn't know that. That, real sad stuff, because he had, like, mm-hmm. large emotional range. Definitely. He definitely had some good acting skills. Heroin, cocaine, benzos, and amphetamines. That's a hell of a mix. He's trying to re- relive the 70s, bro. <laughs> nice country. Um, but I bought him up. His character is a basic barometer for where Dirk's morals are. Because he's such a big fan of Dirk, you see shots of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character watching Mark Wahlberg, Dirk Diggler, doing these horrible things, and you can see the god that he thought Dirk Diggler was being deconstructed. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, which is important makes that character quite important because it gives the character a reference for how we should be feeling about Dirk basically there's so many it's it's so strange because like usually when you see a when you watch a film you sort of have like um, a set of characters that are well one or two characters that are like main characters you see them in virtually every scene mm. and you you know that their story the the ends of their story is how the film will end yeah. and then there's like side characters and shit like that in this one there's so many main characters well, like, it's kind of, yeah you, you've kind of, yeah that kind of touches on something i said earlier where it's like this film just feels like that those events were happening and a camera just happens to be there that's it yeah it's like there's so many characters that are just supposed to be always like be then that it anything that happens is because it's almost because every because them characters are in there do you know what I mean yeah yeah you know yeah yeah I do 100% and it that's why I think it feels so cohesive and that's why it's interesting to watch because mm-hmm. it, it literally feels like every character is a main character and they've got that this whole life going on it's probably you, what you're trying to like it pulls you in and you're like oh I need to watch the rest like yeah, yeah. Well, what's next who's coming next you know what I mean um, especially when that that guy what's his name I can't even remember his name the um he he meets Dirk Diggler for the first time at this party where uh, well there's always a party at Jack's house yeah. because you're having a good time um and it's that character that, uh, you know, Dirk has that friend in the films that he's always like being, he's sort of his uh, sidekick. Yeah, John C. Riley. Yeah, the guy that is friends with him that comes from the other strip club. Where oh, they like... The one who ends up being the main like drug dealer. Yeah, who's oh. constantly like, fuck, oh, he, um, that character is so... When I when I saw that scene, that scene where he just fucking shoots that black guy, I was like, I would, I would, what the fuck is wrong with you? He That's is, when you know you got a problem. That dude, he's yeah. like the archetypal cocaine user that I'm terrified of. Like, <laughs> That's uh, when you got a problem. When like. So we're there now at this last scene that we've not spoke about yet, which is absolutely insane. It's one of my favourite scenes in cinema, Martin. I think the tension in it is, like, incredible. It's 
I'm like, I literally didn't know where it was going to go. It could have gone anywhere. It could have gone anywhere. Point where they're not prostitutes. They're not trying to be rock and roll stars anymore. They're not even trying to be porn actors anymore. They're simply just doing drug deals and doing like criminal activities. They plan like a sting where they're going to like do this thing where they go to a drug dealer's house and give him fake drugs and try and get money. Try to get money. Yeah, try yeah. to get money. Five grand. And that guy who you were just talking about, John C. Riley character's friend, he brings a gun and there was no talk about bringing a gun. Like, as the situation starts happening, you can see it like ramping up and it's got all the makings of a terrible situation and they go to this guy's house and he's just like the classic Tony Montana cocaine dealer really like unhinged and like gypsy in the way that mm-hmm. he but then seemingly going through moments of like really being into the song that's on in the background so like he'll, when he's like talking to you he's like what do you want then what's going on and he's all intense but then when he's not talking to you he's like chilling yeah. you know that you knew from the beginning that that guy was fucking crazy the and then and the eyes <laughs> The the scene that got me, I was like, where I would have instantly left that house was if I saw this guy pull a gun out, put a bullet in it, and shoot his brain. Like if that if if it didn't hit the brain, I would be instantly like, yeah, man, I'm out. Like that's some crazy I'll shit. Why the fuck? In that house, to be perfectly honest with you. I think just the Chinese, there's a Chinese man in the corner of the room lighting firecrackers and just throwing them at random intervals. And that is, that is what <laughs> gives scene its tension because you Jesus. don't know when these things are going to go off. So like no. there's tense situations happening anyway between the, the, the drug deal. But every like, it's not even every five seconds. That's the whole point. You can't time it. You don't you know when can't they're going to. can't time it, no. Explosions keep happening. It's a horrible environment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just, like being like that. It's fine with me. Like I could like if I'm talking to someone and I'm having a conversation. Cool. If somebody pulls a fucking gun out and tries to blow their brains out, but it doesn't happen. I'm like, you're fucking crazy. You could you could blow my brains out at any given you know, Mark, point. You walked all the way into that house and looked at everything that was going on and you've only walked out when he pulled the gun out. I think you've been there way too long. I think I could like look at that situation and assume a gun was going to be pulled and not step into the house. Uh, well, we we saw two guns already before you even saw the third one. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the black guy having a, a gun and then your friend having a gun. Black guy. What gets me is they're there to sell to sell drugs and they get the money and they still stay there after that. Like if it was a one, they're fake. So if you don't get out of there as soon as possible before he tests out these drugs, you're dead. Two, you're you literally told the guy, I'm gonna I'm gonna rob you. Before you pull the the gun out, are you how are you? If you're gonna rob someone, you take the gun out first, then you threaten them. You don't threaten them as you're talking to them. For I think these situations scare me so much because mm-hmm. logic disappears. Like yeah. all reason and logic is not yeah. present it's, in the room. I don't know what they're operating on. I don't know what 
frequency they're tuned into, but it's not like one of logic. He's too he's too high and he's only thinking of the end goal to think, well, I'm in the middle right now. Maybe I should just take it one step at a time. You know what I mean? Like obviously that's this is this is all a film. This is all like acted. It's not oh, yeah, but it's real. Very, yeah, but but these that show amazing because yeah. that has happened like mm-hmm. not that situation with those people but it is depicting a scene that 100% has gone down hundreds yeah, oh, 100% like skipsy mm-hmm. people buying drugs neither of them are planning to be legit about you know the person that's buying the drugs and the person that's selling the drugs are probably fake unlaced with something and the money that's being given is probably fake you know what I mean like there's no mm-hmm. honesty and rationality and there's people still to this day running around with that sort of like attitude um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's scary to think but you at least at least it's sort of like Prepare like if you if you're watching this film and you were in a situation where you well if you've watched this film and you sort of got yourself in that sort of situation you could sort of think well if I'm you can make yourself remember what happened in that scene and maybe other films and you just sort of like take that take it into consideration what could happen. And you need oh, to like be yeah. there and be like, out as quick as you get in. Do you know what I mean? Even I don't plan to ever be anywhere near a situation like that. But yeah. oh. you can take things from this film like there's a lot of colonels out there. There's a lot of jacks out there. There's a yeah. lot of dirks out there. They are like archetypes of like people that exist. Hot headed young up and comers within a a field the same mentality as like a young footballer that's on the rise mm-hmm. they're a Dirk Diggler they're just doing it in football like yeah. um, an up and coming musician you know who's like had a run of hit singles that, they're a Dirk Diggler so for me it just gives me a load of archetypes that exist in any industry where some people are trying to they're just to make money but then other people are there because they really care about like product and the heart and soul of it all that is why these any situation like that is going to create some really good things and some really terrible things basically because it's going to get really extreme because people like what you're doing and you're going to be pressured to do that thing that you're doing more and more and you're going to really start thinking about the best way to do it but in that, you're surrounded by people that are telling you all sorts of things, and some of those people are there just for money, and some of those people are there for because they care about the product and the artist or the sportsman or whatever. And that whole narrative is pretty important in our times, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I usually when we watch, oh, when you make me not make me, but tell me to watch a certain film that may not be normal. Mm-hmm. I, usually, I usually have like a million questions in my head about different scenes that happen and like uh, 
why is this character doing that? That's that's a weird thing to do. Why did he put that in there? Like especially like especially Holy Mountain. That that's still in my head is the weirdest film I've ever seen. Oh, we're, gonna ever. To, we're gonna have to trump that at some point. Yeah, we you you, you will have to. Mind. Don't don't tempt me, Martin. But um. yeah. <laughs> but when when it came to this one, I had a, it so it was so normal in the way of the film that it was trying like why it was trying to portray it was so normal that it sort of made sense everything that I watched made sense to a yeah. point where that I had a few questions where something to me didn't make sense I'm like ah okay maybe that doesn't make sense I think just um, only because I didn't I didn't think about it like thoroughly that's obviously why I talk to you and we do this podcast and stuff because yeah, I yeah, want you to, to to tell me yeah like but it did I, it didn't have a lot of it in it that I'll be like oh well yeah I saw like I, I saw get everything that's happened except for a, be, a few bits you know I mean? whereas maybe other films we've watched you can take things away for your own personal development like the Truman Show or an Eraserhead or an Evangelion mm-hmm. You can like watch those films and change the way that you look at the world. Whereas Boogie Nights is a film that changes the way I act. Yeah. It makes me aware of situations that I could run into when you're in a high energy environment with a lot of people that are all trying to do something. The same thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's useful. Certainly looking forward into the future, you know? Of course. I, uh... There were, like the whole film, I, I will think about it a lot when I'm in a group situation now. Because like, although we're watching, although like you saw loads of people, like you said, talking, but like, it's not really what they were meaning. There was a lot of like chatter there, like groups of situations where they like, just talk about business. But like at the same time, you're also friendly with the person that you're talking with. Is there an interest in the, the that's, yeah, it's that as well. Um, the, the fine line between pleasure and business, mm-hmm. how that, they're like direct polar opposites of one another. Well, they shouldn't be, but they are in the way that they have existed in previous years. And it, that again creates these real sharp juxtaposed situations where these people that claim to all be a big unit and a family create this thing that they everyone loves but then it splits apart and it becomes fractured it creates like real good manage you need real good management in large groups of people like that mm-hmm. that are always like a band or it's like a group of artists or it's like a group of anything that all get together for one purpose. That's why the army function like they function very militantly because they know, number one, how effective humans can be when they're all aimed towards a common goal, and number two, how unorganized they can be when they're not all ordered towards a common goal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 but they can. It, it can be, yeah, it could be a a plus or a minus when it comes to this where we are right now do you know what I mean like I so take the film now and see like seeing this one compared to 
the other ones m- makes it some like more I take a situation more calmly because like it's this, not. this this was like a, a whole load of like drugs put into it like loads of people fucking on drugs and shit like you don't know who could be that that person with with the gun do you know what I mean like you don't know who, who could like at any point click and be like yeah. you know what I'm taking you out or whatever what do you know I, what I mean yeah. What I get from it is the need to be emotionally aware of what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Not like you can see actions and stuff like that, but it's like gauging the vibe and making sure that what you're a part of is sustainable morally and, and financially. I think when morals become the topic of a conversation there's a certain sector of people that are like oh well they're not talking about business now you want a situation to be financially and morally sustainable so it makes mm-hmm. you money but everyone stays amicable and the product the quality of the product isn't compromised that's incredibly difficult mm-hmm. that's like really difficult to do and that is what this film is it's like they get back to it at the end and they get to a place where Doug Diggler feels like he's the the dirk he always was and he's ready to go sort of thing but nothing it shows he didn't need to do all that shit or did he no that's the crazy thing you don't don't know get back to where he needed to be I find it quite interesting because if if he did need to do all that stuff just to reaffirm himself you better get on with it real quick like sort of thing If, if you've had that it's just an angle that I find interesting with people that some people feel the need to do like a lot of something be it alcohol or cocaine or something like that or smoke cigarettes and I think your body's only getting less good at coping with those things as you get older Mm -hmm. fucking hurry up and just do that stuff you want to do get it all out of your system like go run at it like really dive deep into it don't kill yourself (laughs) but you are try not to come on all you're going to do is like bury that down and it's going to like come back to the surface and then something's going to happen where you nearly have a breakdown and you push it back down and then you die and you never really worked it out did you so but some people the thing about some people they they just I feel like there needs to be a time I know that a lot a lot of young people like I'm I'm probably saying a good 90% of young people nowadays are normally they start off with like 18 and they want to go fucking crazy they've just turned 18 and can fucking drink and go out whatever so they they want to do all this shit fucking right straight away some of them do it too much and die by accident but at the same time that's that 10, 10% or 5% of young people that are like only driven by business. That is it. But that's, that's sort of the same. There's, there's no middle ground. Do you know what I mean? Like there should, there should be like a place where you could be a bit crazy for a year or two. And then well, sort of move like to university and the gap year and all this stuff that people that are our age tend to do around here and there's kind of like the implication that they're all running from what's known as the real world 
and mm-hmm. it's like yeah, I'll do anything I can to stay out of that dreaded real world for as long as possible I'll go pick fruit or some shit like that <laughs> which is fine and if that's what you want to do but I think you can do it from home for a lot less money if you just apply some you stop letting all the things that affect you at home actually bother you because you realise how much those things mean to you like the immediate family and friends and the impressions they have of you they construct what you think of yourself really if you really peel it back and you really sit down you realise that like your version of who you are to yourself well not it's not for everyone some people are really like defined in who they are and they don't have this problem but I found myself in a position where my version of myself was given to me by what other people thought of me and I didn't really have like a version of myself that I knew but I didn't know what I believed in and I didn't know mm-hmm. what my ideologies and morals just something I hadn't thought about you just act like other people act sort of thing um, but it might take failing in the porn industry and going through the want to be a rock and roll star and then a whole cocaine addiction to realise that you had that inside you all along because Boogie Nights ends very much there's this moment before Dirk Diggler does his first scene where he kind of talks to himself in the mirror and gives himself a bit of a pet talk and again it could be anyone it could be a musician about to go on stage it could be a cook about to go onto a cooking you know what I mean it could be any yeah, star it could be a, yeah it could be anything and the film ends with a similar speech um, which implies it's, that it was inside of him all along and it's self empowerment that is really the fire that will start the furnace for a real high productive person he's yeah it's, it's sort of like the, now that I think about it yeah the film almost well he's character starts with the speech and ends with the speech. Yeah, the whole idea of Dirk and all of that, and I think that's a real nice kind of... It poses loads of questions. It leaves you a question. Did he need to do, as we said, all of the things that he did? Is it just a question of self-empowerment and he shouldn't have listened to all the doubters around him? He let his mother's impression direct who he was. He let Jack's impression direct who he was. But it wasn't until he kind of really established who Dirk was, or he kind of gives up the name Eddie, and he kind of is Dirk mm-hmm. from the moment he comes up with Dirk. And that, is, again, is representative of, like, ditching everything that Eddie was. He could do that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And because he moved away from everyone he knew. Very difficult for you now, Martin, to completely change who you were. Everyone around you knows who you are. Yeah, it's... It's a... <laughs> It's a massive change, but I feel like because he so didn't have anything going for him at, at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like that was that's I feel like that's why he sort of jumped at that sort of. He knew it. I guess it's okay to be in those situations. You just got to know it. So then, when your opportunity to get out of those situations arises, you don't miss it. No, yeah, you just throw you take that opportunity no matter how it comes. But like it's so sad to see that you would you. Like you don't see him see like many friends, but he does take a a, a bus ride to this massive um, to this uh, where he works at this nightclub. Oh yeah, yeah, and there's plenty of nightclubs where he lives compared to where where he's at. So you all 
already from the beginning, see, he just wants to get away from her. He doesn't yeah, want to be and he also, anywhere there. He had a respect for the way that that place was run. Yeah. He, he, and that's kind of one of the things that I hear a lot of successful people say. Like, if you, he knew where he needed to be. You know what I mean? He knew, he thought yeah. that place was cool. He knew something cool was happening there. He just felt the vibe and he, he was present. He made sure that he was in that place. Mm-hmm. And if you're somewhere, it's not like everyone's going to ignore you. Like you're probably mm-hmm. going to get spoken to doing something and the opportunities will open up. It's about knowing what you want to do and then having the confidence. It's always be. about what you want to do. It's always. That's a big struggle with a, a lot of people. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, what do you want to do? I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's the key because I think once a human really finds out what they want to do and sets their head to it, I don't think there's anything that can really, it's going to happen as long as it has reasonable means of happening. Like, Mm -hmm. if you want cheese to rain from the sky, well, the day may never come. I'm sorry to hear about that. But if you want to build a real nice table, that's all the means of that happening. I mean, don't, don't, don't doubt that. Rain from the sky. <laughs> like, uh, I'm saying, if what, if what you're saying is, if you're yeah, if you're if you're saying, if what you're saying is true, then you could make cheese rain from the sky. That Do you know what I mean? A conversation for another film. <laughs> the uh, the precedent. <laughs> but my point is, is that it's probably best that, that might happen. Cheese might rain from the sky. But it's probably best not to think about that because I have no means of making it happen. Whereas mm-hmm. I can like right now turn this light off. I can do that like right here. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Very so, easy. There's a lot of stuff that I can do that's immediately at your fingertips for yourself. And I don't know for a film that's about the golden age of pornography and the decline of the format. It has, it has a hell of inspiration in it mm-hmm. and a lot of admirable attitudes and it showcases a lot of the pitfalls that one can fall into throwing themselves into something in a real honest way when there's people that aren't being honest around yeah. you yeah which, yeah, yeah. This which is, is this probably is why, a lot more than the films we normally watch <laughs> we, this is why I, I said this is like help sort of like as soon as I watch this help me to uh, look at group situations in a different way because before this film do you know how I am when I come into a group situation where I'm like talk to everyone well you're what I like nice. call the, the social grenade Martin like that's you, right and, and you're going to be a hit that's it but it, it, it's all like I need to also be like chilled about it because not everyone that's talking to me is being truthful do you know what I mean like not everyone that's well, that, that's, being nice to or being nice to you is actually you being going nice? to get the same thing back. That's what I. And it's not my. It's actually my fault. If you go in that hot headed, if you go in with that level of energy, you're kind of asking everyone else to be up there with you, sort of thing. And that's a big ask for some people. Like some people yeah. just aren't there, or don't want to. You know, don't want to be or whatever. So, your way of being definitely has its perks and people it's endearing to people if because you act the same around everything so at least you know that you're not getting kind of screwed you, you know, at least you know you're being honest sort of thing being honest to myself too when I say like, like it's, but then it's gotta... just, that's admirable <clears throat> and that's fine it's all just it's fine tuning that isn't it mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. And I'm just saying it's like I've got to, I've got to still be myself. Of course, like that's just there's no doubt about that. It, but it changes how I've sort of view the people that I'm talking to. Like I can see, I could sort of like before this, I could go into a situation where it would be a massive group of people and I'd talk to every, every single person, but then I wouldn't notice their sort of like body language. I would just be constantly be myself because I'll be, I don't, I don't want that person to think. Yeah. Huh? Or like you're so in it and doing your yeah, thing. Yeah, that's it. I'm doing my thing that I don't notice their thing is like contradicting how I am, but I'm not noticing it. You know what I mean? Like somebody could be like sending digs my way, but I'm just like, oh yeah, they're, they're just being funny or whatever. Yeah. And the, at the end, of like at the end of the day, fucking like body language. Yeah. And whatnot. So that is what I'd say is the purpose of that film for me. And I just love it. I love, <clears throat> it has no business making me as interested as I am in it. <laughs> no. But no, it does. It is a very. It's a. It's a very. I wouldn't say emotional, but like, it has a lot of feeling. Yeah, made me want to go there. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I've been there like the whole way. Like been on a mm-hmm. real long journey, sort of thing. But it's got. Got God. feeling, man. It's got feeling definitely, and I think mm-hmm. we'll watch. This guy, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's made um, quite a few films. The next one he made, we'll probably watch at some point, called Magnolia. It's got Tom Cruise, John C. Riley again, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It might not have John C. Riley actually. I may have. Fucking sounds interesting already. Yeah, well, that film probably is a bit more in the camp of films that we normally watch. Mm-hmm. Um, not completely, but just more so than Boogie Nights, probably. Yeah, yeah. And it's a film that I don't even get, mine. I'd need to watch don't. it again. I'd need to watch it again if we were going to talk about it, because I don't understand. That's a first. Chelsea Riley is But yeah, hey. it might be, I watched it a long time ago. And you might make sense of it now. Yeah, more I than didn't really get it before. sort of thing when I first watched it. <laughs> But that always excites me. Makes me sad at the time because it's like, oh my god, this film's 188 minutes, so it's another, it's a three-hour film. It's longer than. Wow, three hours and twenty minutes, bro. Yeah, oh, six minutes. Yeah, three out three six. And I was like, oh my god, I've just wasted all this. Not wasted, but I've just put all this time into this film, and I didn't get much from it. <laughs> sort of thing, and I was like, oh. But that's really exciting the long term because it's like, oh, the, like he didn't make that film just to be an idiot. There's a yeah, that's it. That there, there's something behind it. You gotta push through and see what what we get. And then he made a film with Adam Sandler, Martin, and it's like one of the best films Adam Sandler's ever been. Which I've not is. seen I've not seen Uncut Gems, but it's called Punch Drunk Love. Oh, so Paul Thomas, uh, what's his name? Paul Thomas, what? Edison? Paul Thomas Anderson. Anderson? Yeah. He made Uncut Gems? No, no, no. I was just saying. Oh, just saying about. One of the best Adam Sandler's been in, but I hear a lot of good stuff about Uncut Gems, which I've not seen. But It's a good film. Punch Drunk Love, Adam Sandler plays this, like, 
person with anxiety and he's in like this family of people that just get stuff done and he has these moments it's all done in the soundtrack it's absolutely incredible like okay he'll be having a conversation with like a member of his family and then like this little instrument will start in the background and it will be like a a little noise like that and then he'll start layering noise on top of it and it's like the build up of anxiety and you slowly the conversation of the person he's talking to will be faded out and these noises will get louder and louder and louder until he does something that because he can't handle being in these social situations normally where people are like hassling him about the way he is which doesn't help the whole thing like why are you so quiet all the time and, and stuff like that and it builds up to the point where he'll do something that would be considered a public you know outrage yeah like smash a window or flip a table yeah 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 no I get what you're saying yeah I've, I've sort of I've sort of seen a type of film like that where they're like they're, t- they're talking it just fades out and then it's like and then all of a sudden the music stops and it's just back to where he was before yeah and it's yeah. really well done with the whole like just talking about anxiety and how it is it really puts across the whole thing really well and it's Adam Sandler who's normally like this you know comedian funny guy Adam Sandler yeah so it, yeah. it's a really good fit so Possibly in the future, I could talk about every one of his films at length, to be fair, and there's still some of them I've not seen. There's another film, I'm looking at all the films that he's made, and I don't get them, Martin. Like, I've seen them, but I don't understand anything. That It's weird. That's weird to see, or oh, to hear. There Will Be Blood is renowned as one of the best films ever made, and I've seen it. Number one, I couldn't tell you the character's name. I can tell you, like, the main, uh, the last scene uh, was memorable just for what happened in it. And, like, I can tell you, like, the intro scene, but really what happened in the middle was just, it was a blur. And it's very easy to then blame the film and be like, that's a bad film. But I think his films are just so dense and there's so much going on and they're so well constructed that it actually hits my buffer of this yeah. information. And that, mm-hmm. right, that doesn't happen so often. It's a good feeling. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. That's two films already that we can sort of do a podcast on, so... Yeah, we'll definitely be going down mm-hmm. some Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson films. So, yeah, um, that was a, an episode with a difference, Martin. That's it. I mean, like, this this episode seemed more chilled than our other episodes. I'm, I'm usually like, what the fuck is happening? What is this film? Well, and then this was just like, oh... I, I sort of get the message and I like it. So I quite like to throw you curveballs because <clears throat> it's not. It, the film wasn't weird, but the suggestion of you suggesting this film to me, I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But then I watch it and it's normal. I'm like, it's just, it sort of almost made me think again. You know how I always tell you, am I watching the right film every time I turn the film on and there's just a blank screen and just sound? It's sort of like, I saw the film and I'm like, did I watch the right film? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it got a slightly different response out of you than we used to seeing. Yeah. And, you know, I'll try and make sure the next film catches you off guard as, as this one did. Let's do it. I'm ready. So... so. It's yeah, been, it's been sweet. Hit us up. Thank you, know you for listening, everybody. You know, like, I, I, I hope 
you appreciate it in these trying times, you know, where some of us are not at work and uh, I've been listening to all sorts of audio books and podcasts and whatnot and films to try and keep myself busy so if I can contribute to that a little bit of relief for some people that want to hear us chat nonsense about films, you know, then here we are. We just hit, you know, 350 downloads and May was like the best month we've ever had in terms of downloads. So I appreciate that greatly. Honestly, Thank you guys. like we just want to make this a better experience for people and whatnot. So please keep that up. Let us know what you think in the comments. If you've seen the film, if you want to suggest a film, yeah. let us know. See what, what we can look at and see how we can see it. Speak to us, guys. Yeah, let us know. Always a pleasure, mine. Never a chore. <laughs> Same goes for you, mate. You're a bloody good bloke. Yeah. <laughs> I try to be. So are you. It's not that deep, bro. It's not that deep, bro. You wanna... Peace. Peace.